right, welcome to Texas. We're pumped up. All right, I'm just kidding. I'm not that pumped up. <laughs> well, uh, I am. Drink it. Oh, yeah. you're pumped tonight, oh, dude? Boy. What is oh, it? Oh, yeah, well, we get to talk about idiots on this first section. <laughs> yeah, Who's yeah, not okay. pumped up about to talk about that? Yeah, so, okay, well, I guess this first segment we're going to start with, uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we got started, but uh, I feel like, and I was thinking about this at home, is that... Uh, a lot of what's going on today, like within the political sphere, is pushed to us like that, it's, that there's systemic racism, that it's all about race. And uh, though I think we all can notice that, uh, you know, we come from, all come from imperfect situations, just like, you know, this country, any country, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, knowing history, and we'll get into that in the next two segments, is really important and it's awesome and it's fun. But at the same time, I think you have to be fair to the facts. And, uh, when you look at the United States of America, it has about 330 million people. 328,239,523 people. That's the 2019 census. Some people don't fill it out. It's hard to get all the accurate numbers, all that, but right. that's, that's their stats, okay? 76.3% white, 13.4% black or African American, 18.5% Hispanic, Latino, and 5.9% Asian American. So that's that's just a general overview of what America kind of kind of looks like. Like I said, a lot of people don't fill out the census. It could be more or less a little bit of the ways. But, uh, you know, then when you look at some of the... I, went, I, I started looking at different companies and different uh, schools and the percentages of of like, you know, students or teachers, especially right. the directors and board members and things like that, um, that were, that were you know, different races. And what I have come to the conclusion, if my, and, and maybe not the conclusion for now, it's always subject to change because I haven't studied it enough, but uh, is that in, in everyday life by the common man, like if you were to go into the workplace in the middle of a city in a factory, the ratio between... Uh, races would add up. It would be much more neutral. You would have much more diversity. When you get into the highest portions of the CEOs, and I even looked at like Coca-Cola, Delta, and pro sports, especially. When you get into the highest levels, that's where the disparity really lies. And, yeah. and to me, what's important about this is that they're the ones that are pushing this race they're the ones pushing it. Yep. They're the ones telling people to, you know, uh, you know, that th- this ID law is racist, or you know that they're trying to, or that everything's systemically racist. And uh, if anything is truly, truly, you know, has that type of disparity in it, it's the very top, the very top of the major organizations in yep. the country. The same ones that drive the media, you know, that drive all these these old institutions that we all are learning to distrust, you know, and they blame the common man for being racist. When common people, black, white, Hispanic, we all coexist every day, going to work, doing jobs, dropping off truck shipments, taking in shipments, working with people, I mean... Meeting people at, you know, going out, taking your kids out different places. You come across all different people in this country. We just, most people just get along. Right. You know, and so, but they drive this narrative 
uh, and uh, I, I, I wonder why, you know, and I guess I toss that to y'all, you know, maybe that's a question for you. I think if I'm going to answer that question, I think that they have an ideology that they're trying to push, you know, and we were talking about this and I feel like that they want people to feel like they're owed something in life. Like this country, because you live here, you, you need, you know, you have all of these are rights, you know, you deserve this and this and this. And we have enough to do this and this and this. When, to me personally, the way I see life, I don't see it like that. Yeah. I don't feel like you're owed anything in life. You're lucky to be alive if you look at it that way. It's a there's a fine line between life and death every day, and no one gives you that but God. Really, no any man or woman who promises you, promises you that they're gonna give you life, more life or less life. I mean, they're a fool, you know, really, and uh, or a murderer. Because they might be about to kill you, <laughs> nah. but uh, you know it's 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 a uh, it's a foolish premise to think that anyone owes you anything, especially right. in a country where we all if you go to work you pay in taxes and you pay into the public dole because you get out of it and you benefit from the system, and then there are people who think that they they you just get things you just right. get it and I just have a really hard time agreeing with that, and I feel like this is. The issues in this country are far less about race. If you really look at these institutions, because when I look at Yale, Princeton, Harvard, Brown, the percentages of people actually add up with what the percentage of minorities are in this country. You know, I mean, they have, you know, on average about 10% Hispanics in Yale in the major Ivy League schools, you know, about 18% on average, 15% on average, whatever, of Asian uh, you know, and six uh, percent around, a little over maybe of of blacks, and then you have forty one percent or about forty percent on average of white. You know, which is so stupid that we have to even look at this. But the stats are there on this stuff, and so when you compare that to what the population is of America, what I'm saying is, right. it actually kind of adds up. It's not that far off. Now, when you get up into the board of directors, again, that's yeah. where the disparity is. And I totally see that's there. But again, the real major issues that we all face in this country, even down to police brutality, to me is about ideology. It's about teaching people that that they're owed something or that they need to be dependent on the government. You know, when yep. we are given a massive responsibility in this country, if you can, I get some people can't, but... uh I'll throw this over to y'all before I get too in too too much deeper. No, into yeah, it, but, I think you uh, you hit the nail on the head with the whole with the victimhood thing. You know, I mean, they, yeah, people who think they're victims are much more likely to accept more government over themselves because they need the government to give them their reparations or to give them what they believe society owes them. Free college, uh, yeah, you know, uh, they don't want it, they don't want to be in all that debt for college that they're in, so it benefits their narrative, right? Right. Yep. And so then when they turn it into a race issue, they can make people feel as if they are victims of society and so it owes them something. And then they can also attach those, those uh, catchwords like racist and white supremacist and anyone who disagrees with this woke system of, of you know, socialism and complete equality across the board, anyone who disagrees with it can just be pinned. Or ra- oh, you're just a racist. You're just a white supremacist. And because then that basically, at least in the eyes of uh, of like the media and stuff like that, it just completely 
make sure any point you make is null and void because you're just a racist. You're just white supremacist, yep. you know. Uh, did you have something yeah, to say? Yeah, what, uh, what the problem is, is right now is the government is not encouraging people to go to work. They're wanting to pay you to stay home. Well, this country, when you when our ancestors came to this country, everybody's ancestors uh, came over here. They wasn't promised anything. They were giving, given a lot of things. They were given the right to come over here, take advantage of the system by education, by going to work, by working your ass off to achieve that dream you have you had when you came over here. This thing and that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed at all. You still have them that opportunity that is given to you by this system that we live in to go to school, take advantage of the education. Take advantage of the, uh, the, what's it called when they, when you're, you win a, uh, just. Well, well, you can think about infrastructure too. They, you know, you take advantage of the. Take advantage of of what the, what you can get out of your education is by continuing in school. You can have everything that all these black and white people worked their ass off to get wasn't given to them like they're wanting you to have it. They worked their ass off to get it. LeBron James, every one of them, that nothing was given to them. They worked their ass off to achieve what they have. And now they just want you to sit back and destroy everything if you're not given everything. Yeah, so yeah. it's a double standard. There's no, it's not involved in race. There's nothing like 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 you were saying, Boone. It's a common person out here running this country by working every day. Could give a rat's ass whether you're black, white, Asian, or brown. They're working. Yeah. We're all working gotta our do, ass. We got to do to feed yeah. our family. We're all we're all pass. working our ass off. By, by the way, not just skin, but by religion as well. Yeah. I don't give a shit. I don't care. Yeah. I we're don't all care. working you know, our ass off together you know? and to make it in a country that's trying to be overthrown by a leftist group of people who have a lot more where there's a bigger agenda than what people are e- probably even aware of going on in this country. Yeah. You know, I do I will say this is like but one take thing- advantage of the education, quit your crybaby bullshit and do something with your yeah. life. Instead just- of Go ahead. I know. I, I feel like I know. No, 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 no. No, I, I totally understand. But you know, you also come from a, you know, Joe. What years? And I don't want to. I'm not trying to blast your age or anything. But like, what years did you graduate from from high school? He's saying uh, you're a boomer. Boomer. Seventy eight. Okay, so when you were in middle school, let's say middle school and early, early childhood, what, what town did you grow up in? Did you have any, did you deal with the segregation of schools? Did you watch that go on at least? You, you I lived in Arlington, right between Dallas Fort A very familiar with Arlington. And when I was in high school, one of my best friends was a black guy and we'd had my car loaded one morning because a police officer seen us smoking on a hooter and <laughs> yeah, pulled up yeah. behind me there in the school parking lot and decided instead of taking us to jail, he was going to trash my car, which I said, okay. 
<laughs> yeah, well, you're passionate. Ahead. You're passionate about yeah. this subject, probably <laughs> as a boomer. You're more passionate because y'all y'all lived through y'all lived through the civil I can, rights. I era. can give a rat's ass whether you're black, white, yellow, or brown. You're either a piece of shit or you're not. Yeah, that's Period. right. Yeah. No, I die. I'm just. I totally that's agree just with that. How I no, feel I think done, I think it's absolutely true, you and, uh, and I, 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 I get, think that's how most people feel about it too. I, the I majority agree. of people, black, white, yellow, brown, it don't matter. I, I would lay odds that the majority of people could give a rat's ass what color you are. You know why the civil, you know why you, the civil rights movement worked? Because there was no Facebook back then. Yeah, I guarantee you, if there had been Facebook in the 1950s and 60s and 70s when the civil rights movement was really in full steam. Oh man! It, well, thank it you. Probably, you just brought that full circle. Who yeah. owns Facebook? Is he white, black, Asian? What is he? He's a oh he's, he's oh he's Jewish. white. Yeah, he's white. Yeah, right. Uh, what about born? what about what about what Twitter? About what about Twitter? What about yeah, Amazon? Yeah. What about all these companies that are preaching to everybody? Who? What about their employees? Okay. Their yeah. employees are Asian, black. White, they go to work on the lines every day with each other. Right. And they never stir but here up shit. Again, but here again, you go back to the employees, you know, who, what color are, what color is the owner of that big company? What color, you know, who gives a crap? Yeah. What true. did that owner of that company have to do to become the owner of that company? Take advantage of the system, yeah. the, the education, and everything this country has to offer to, to gain that well, the employees, the, the reason, the reason, the reason I, I am bringing this up, and the reason that we are talking about this is that you're right. No one, common people, don't care. You're right. I don't care. I've never. I was, I was taught if there was, I mean, the most important value that my dad specifically, my dad, uh, but both my parents instilled in me, both of them, and I, I remember it was treat everybody with respect. Yep. You never. Downgrade someone because of their position, skin, belief, uh, you know, look, whatever they look like. You don't make fun of people. And though I probably broke those lines sometimes. Growing you know, up as a of kid. Course, yeah, you know? of course. But, uh, you know, you, you know I, I, I understand that. But the importance of this is, and the reason I bring that up with these people is because you're right. They took advantage of the system and became very rich and wealthy. Now they've gotten to the point where they are... They are actually pushing this ideology on... They're the ones behind it. Levi's exactly right. The social media companies, the largest companies in the world, are, are being used as they're pushing this on us, telling us to be less white, pushing the race narrative on us. And we're here to say that it that they're they're actually You're the idiots. ones. They were the, the ones. They were the ones that would have owned the plantation. Yeah. We were all the ones working on it, no matter what, always. That's the difference, man. And if you just read, instead of a narrow perspective of history, if you were to see a more broad brush of all history, you would realize more of that. I truly believe that. But people try to take small perspectives of history to drive narrative. And uh, it's it's sad and it's uh, it's pollutant to the world and to ideas and to movement forward is what it really is. I like is. that word you said right there, pollutant. It, humans are killing this planet morally environmentally we're the worst disease this planet has ever had you could be right about that you know I'm a little bit more optimistic to the human race personally 
I think that we... Prove that, me wrong. Well, no, I think you're right at this point. I do think there's a lot of things we do wrong, but I also think that in a, in a sense, we're sort of young with as a society with what we've been, what we, what we have here. You know, we've grown, we've outgrown ourselves in a lot of ways. Instead of focusing on how to clean up our resources that we have, we're sitting here trying to move on to the next, move on to the next, move on to the next. Yeah. And it's just making it dirtier and dirtier and dirtier instead of focusing on the resources we have and how to make them as cleanly as possible. You know, and I think that's where it gets lost to the wayside. Because, so if you go all green right now, what's going to happen to all these old oil plants and stuff like that? What happens? They're still there. They're just rotting now. Right. You see what I mean? I mean, you yep. have to, you know, I, I feel like that there's just this ideology that's going on. And I don't like to call it leftist because we're the independent thinking Texans this show is. Right. And I really, I'm getting tired of trying to fall into that trap of right and left because I do not want to be put on one of those sides. I'm just not there. Yeah. You know, I don't think in that damn paradigm. Right. I just try to think of right and wrong more than anything. And But there is a push in this country to change the foundation in which the ingenuity has been created. No doubt about it. And it's sad. And, and like as you said, my dad is very passionate about it too because he grew up in that era and they saw exactly the pain and the grief that it caused so many families firsthand breaking these barriers down. And now all of a sudden all these people are trying to put them back up. You know, and you do get defensive of that. And you should, you know, no pun intended, you should kind of rage against the machine and stand up. It's the machine that tries to separate us by these stupid characteristics. But they're the ones that, that, that look at, I'll have this stat pulled up real quick. And, and, and uh, while I'm finding this, one of y'all can say something. But I, I have this, uh, it, maybe I can find it quick. Listen to this, okay? This is MSN. Okay, this is MSN right yeah. here. So it's a credible source by the standards of, you know, every, you know, <laughs> certain people who would who would try to discredit right. something like this. Right. Uh, the richest one percent own more wealth than the bottom ninety percent. That is the greatest wealth gap of any advanced economy in the world. In fact, the gap between the haves and have-nots among three thirty three hundred thirty million Americans has widened to proportions not seen before the Great Depression. You know, and these are things that really are problems for us while they have us focusing on oh, yeah. race, which is so stupid, you know? that's the re Those yeah. are the real problems. Live, love, laugh, celebrate 420 every day. Work hard. Work, work hard. hard. You know, get Live what you your get, dream. Man. Earn your dream. Yeah. Earn it. Lift people up around you, too. Yeah, you know? man, be positive. <laughs> be positive. You know, and I know sometimes it's hard to be positive. I live in pain every day, and it's hard for me to be positive every day, but I try to keep a smile on my face and keep on going. Hey, 420 every Joe, day. Hey, Joe lives in chronic pain, and he's emphasizing the chronic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One thing in Texas that I think we can say is uh, we freaking remember the Alamo, dude. You That's know, right. We definitely remember the Alamo. Uh I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a historian by any stretch. Very novice in this, but I am interested. I think I've said this before. Uh, I love the history of this area. We live in a very historic area in in Central and South, and even even over to Eastern Texas in the Galveston Island and North. Uh, you'll know here in a little while with the just the Native American cultures that lived in Texas. How historic. Uh, some of the, these areas are and how cool some of this history really is and how fascinating oh, yeah. it is. 
Uh, but we did want to start with the Alamo, and I was just going to say, so at the Alamo, basically around 180 people, uh, Texians, you know, what they called Texians, people that had moved in from the United States or, or from Europe or had immigrated from Europe maybe, uh, were living in what was at the time uh, Mexico, and they had been brought in basically by the Mexican government to help kind of uh, populate that land uh, and kind mm -hmm. of you know, I don't want to say fight the Indians, but kind of, you know, populate that land and cultivate that land, in other words. And then it kind of got out of control. It, it escalated, and the Alamo was the first uh, battle, right? Right. Uh, well, well, no. Th no, it wasn't. No, it actually uh, wasn't. It, it was, was uh, Gonzalez. It was Gonzalez, actually. That was where the come was and the take it flag was. That's yeah. right. And then, but the Alamo was the first uh, large, you know. Big engagement. The big yeah. engagement, you know, yeah. the first large engagement. And. And I'm just trying to be as, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to have any holes because I don't understand this that well. You know, I'm kind of learning it as I'm saying it as, and from what I've seen in it over my life. There's about 180 people of these Texans and about maybe around 2,000, 1,800 somewhere uh, Spanish soldiers under Santa Ana, right? right? And they come into what is now San Antonio to the Alamo and they lay siege to this, takes 13 days and uh, they basically kill everyone at the Alamo, except for, and we're going to get into this in a minute, except for a, a, a small list of people who survived, under 50 people, uh, less than 50 people survived the Battle of the Alamo, and uh, some of them couriers and things like that, right. and, and again, we'll get into that There in was minute. one messenger that was sent to Santa Ana with Travis's letter. Yeah, Possibly not multiple. Santana, I'm sorry, not Sam, Sam Houston. To Sam Houston, yeah, yeah, to try to send more people. But again, so uh, my point here, and here's my question before we get into the to the survivors, is that uh, Sam Houston had disagreed. He said, "Abandon the Alamo. It's not worth it. Right. Uh, it's not. It's not something that you know we can fight for. Need need to fight for." But uh, William Travis and and Davy Crockett and all these and the other who who else was there? Uh, Jim uh, Bowie. Jim Bowie. Uh, they decided to stay behind. I guess Jim Bowie was the main. Well, no, David. I mean, uh, William Barrett Travis is the one who really wanted to hold the, the uh, the Alamo. The Alamo. Jim okay. Bowie was was kind of shaky about it, uh, and Davy Crockett and his guys they just kind of found themselves in that situation, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it was William Barrett Travis who was really the gung ho one about holding the Alamo. One of the reasons. He was so gung-ho about it is because he believed that uh, uh, Santa Ana would use the Alamo as a fort if he captured it. Or if he abandoned it, that Santa Ana would... And it was the only real structure for a good probably 100 miles around San Antonio. Yeah. You know, the only fortified structure anyway. Yeah. Uh, and so, okay, so here's my question to you. If, if he does not decide to do that, right? Right. Uh, if they don't decide to hold the Alamo... Do the Texians win independence if the Alamo if that doesn't happen? You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I because I've I've said it before that that I think that uh, the Alamo it, it was a great story of martyrdom. You know, but uh, would it have been tactically? You know, I mean, if it, Travis had just abandoned the Alamo and went and joined Sam Houston. Would the same situation have sprung up at San Jacinto, where Texas really won its independence? Was at San Jacinto, uh, basically by surprising 
Yeah, yeah, it was it was an ambush. You know, yeah. Uh, And I think that the answer is probably no. And it only lasted eighteen minutes. Right. Yep. It's very short, right? Or Uh, you know, I guess how do you really know exactly eighteen minutes? But around that, you know. No, but I think the answer is probably no. You know, I think uh, the Alamo and the and the news of the Alamo really rallied the Texian army, and it gave them. You know, it gave them that chant. Remember Goliad. Remember the Alamo. You know, it, yeah. it was martyrdom is a sad but a necessary part of any revolution. I believe. Yeah. 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 And, 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 Gol- the, and that's what the Alamo is really. It's a story of. So so so. Um, do you say do they win? Do, can you can you answer? Do you, do you feel like they would that it would have been different? It probably would have been different. I don't think that. No, I, I don't think that the Texas Revolution would have went the. It's impossible to say, you know, what would have happened one way or the other, but you definitely wouldn't have had the series of events that happened leading up to San Jacinto. Yeah. And the Alamo, it would have he, held, he held Santa Ana there for 13 days. That definitely boxed And stripped uh, the morale. Yeah, stripped the morale yeah. some. And so did Goliad, I'm sure, as well. How many? So how many of the Mexican army died at Goliad? Do you know around... Because that's I, where I that's where they actually you. captured like four hundred and twenty five of the Texians and then right. and then, and then slaughtered, killed, them. slaughtered them and then yep. burned them you know burned the pile or yep. you know uh, really try to send a message you know yeah and then so at the same time yeah. around the Alamo though that's actually in what is it in Marshall Texas was it where was it in uh, no Washington Texas right where they actually came up with the Texas Constitution which basically right. mimicked that's the what I was gonna say it also get the Alamo siege also bought the Texians' time to draft their constitution and to uh, to to establish the Texas government, which is you know Sam Houston was very big on that. You know, in fact, he a lot of the guys who were drafting the constitution wanted to just abandon the session and go to the Alamo, and then Sam Houston was like, no. So uh, one thing we were talking about a minute ago too is that there were a list of survivors, and this is from Wikipedia. So I guess you gotta kind of gotta take it with a grain of salt, but I trust it for his story. Uh, you know, for right. in this type of setting, I probably right. trust this to, for the for the large degree. Uh, you had a soldier, James L. Allen. Uh, he left the Alamo on March fifth. He was the last courier to leave. Okay. You have Horace Alsbury, who was a soldier. Uh, when the Mexican troops arrived on February 23rd, Travis sent Alsbury as the first courier. Uh, his wife was inside the fortress and later provided uh, someone with her account of the battle. And uh, you know, I try to I'll try to find some of the uh, some of the mo- more interesting ones. One that I was really looking at here earlier, and I have to go to this other tab here to find it. Was uh, William Travis, I believe. There was a... Um, this is from uh, Ron Jackson. And this is the sons of witcolony.org. I'm not sure what the website is. I just came across this. And uh, I'll just read a little bit of this. Uh, but, you know, if, if you ever listen to this, you know, Levi, for yourself or anybody else... Uh, read this, go read this article. I feel like it's a great, going back to the first segment, I feel like it really encapsulates uh, all like the, like we, when you think about the Alamo, you think about, you know, it's, we are, it's so easy to think in a narrow lens. There was so many angles to think about. And uh, this is called In the Alamo Shadow. Uh, but 
there was a young black man that captivated an audience uh, comprised mainly of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. The man name was Joe, an American-born slave and one of the few survivors of the March 6, 1836 Battle of the Alamo. Joe's account of the grisly battle solved the mystery and and the besieged Alamo garrison for the Texas revolutionary leaders, many of whom had friends and relatives within its walls. His story also spelled out the gravity of the situation for the Texas cabinet as the invading Mexican army crossed the Texas frontier. Over 161 years later, Joe's story has an impact of a different kind. Uh, he, slavery was the only life he ever knew. He was born into bondage somewhere in the southern region of the United States. Uh, he was sold to William Barrett Travis and was likely by his side all the way up to when Travis was shot in the head and instantly you know, rolled down yeah. an embankment, killed right on the spot. And in that, in that same thing, it says here that Joe was actually shot and also stabbed with the bayonet, but survived because one of the Mexican generals actually came and saw him and said, "No, do not kill him. You yeah. know he's a he's a slave. It's illegal in Mexico." And that's he was released. Right. And uh, it goes on to say eventually, I think in this that he went down into Mexico, rode down into Mexico, and eventually and became I I don't know whatever happened of him, right. but uh. I think it's I I'm really fascinated with this uh, with all of these survivors' stories uh, right. and what happened to them after that Battle of the Alamo because what they saw with their eyes I imagine it was absolutely crazy oh, you know yeah. they thought for sure it was for sure death you know right. and uh, they survived and they made it but especially when in today's society when when uh, you know we all should look more openly at the context like they call this man joe they call this man joe because no one knows his real name never knew his last name where are his kids and his grandkids and where's his family heritage you know we yeah we can never know right you know and i think there's a lot of that that is very uh you know it's very important to pay attention to it's very important to see history from a a, a, a total perspective rather than seeing it from one lens, you know, as to say that like, oh, William Barrett Travis, that guy's my hero uh, because that's the only guy you ever hear about. Right. You know what I'm saying? You don't hear, you have to hear stories of everybody there. There was a lot of people there. Yep. Some people might fit your perspective and the way you see life and become a heroic figure to you. Maybe somebody who, you know, I don't know, maybe one of the couriers, you know, might speak out to you or, you know, uh, I just feel like that if you, if you, I want to emphasize this point again. If you draw a narrow, if you want to draw a narrow perspective of the way you want to see history, you can, right? And to fit your narrative, you can do that. But I think that's a bad way to look at life. You know, I think yeah. you should really try to understand the point of view from all parties involved. Right. All parties. All involved. parties involved. Yeah. You, know, you know, absolutely. With right. the way they're being taught nowadays, it's becoming. Lost. Yep. History is trying you know, to make it that way, and and by looking at it at all different angles, you know, instead of just the one that's being shoved down your throat right now, you know. Hey Joe, can I ask you this question really quick? And you might not, you might not have an answer. If the Battle of the Alamo doesn't happen, do the Texians win their independence? 
or do or do does the whole war go different? That, like Levi said a while ago, that's a hard question to answer. You, who knows what would have happened? You know, yeah. who could have, should have, would have. You yeah. know, who who knows? Maybe there's a uh, maybe there's a huge showdown. You know, maybe somewhere, you know, you know? Maybe, you know uh, who knows? Maybe Texas would be part of Mexico and be better off. Yeah, really, <laughs> really, dude. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at it right now. You know, <laughs> you know what? Actually, you know, man, it's. What really started a lot of that was the immigration too, which is so interesting that back right. then we were immigrating into Mexico. You know, yeah. white settlers were immigrating into Mexico. I say we, you know. People, people have been immigrating into America since people started immigrating into yeah. America. It well, that, stopped. Well, here we go. That ties into the next part here. So, uh, so before all of this, you know, uh, long ago, and Joe, good talking to you today. Yes, man, sir. Uh, is, uh, you know, and one of, one of my most uh, favorite parts of American history, and I don't know why, it is just always, you know, we played cowboys and Indians. I just always wanted to be the Indian, man. Racist. I don't know. I don't know you why. Played, you played yeah. that racist game I as did, a kid. <laughs> you know, dark, I, I tanned myself up real well, grew my hair out, dude, I, and I just never passed as a good Indian. But I always loved the culture. I always loved the, the history of the, the Native Americans. It was just, it was... It was more mysterious. There was less to know about it. You know what I mean? Unless you right. really dug, right? And uh, But the older I get, the more I'm interested in it. And uh, I'll just have this here. And, and uh, you know, Levi, I don't really... Again, I, I'm not... I'm far from a historian. But So, uh, in the very eastern piney woods of Texas, there was the Caddo right. Indians. And uh, the Caddo Indians were uh, like a non-nomadic, right? They were they had like they larger had establishments. Yeah, yep, yeah. That's what I've seen about them. And what's interesting is we've talked about Lake Caddo, Caddo yeah. Lake, which was obviously named in that region for that reason, right. right? And then if you go over to the Waco, Central Texas, up into Dallas, what is now Dallas, you had the Tonkawa, right. from what I see on this map here. They were once down here in Central Texas. There, this is actually we're we're sitting on their old stomping grounds, the Tonkawa Indians. So they uh, were in the hill country as well. They were in the hill. So country, who are the yeah. Lipan? The Lipan are a uh, Lipan sort of Apache. Like a, yeah, I was about to say they are a sub sub tribe of the Apache, uh, and they were here later. Uh, later on, it was mostly the Apache and the Comanches around here. I believe it was the Comanche first. They had the most contact with early Texas settlements. They fought Texans, but on many occasions in the 19th century became allies of the Texans in campaigns against other Indians. Yeah, is what it says about the Lipan here. Yeah, well, I mean even even like the uh, the Battle of uh, Battle of Bandera Pass. You know, all of us around here we drive through Bandera Pass all the time. That was uh, that was against that that was the Texas Rangers and the Apache. That was there, the Apache. And in 1841. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then so and then farther west you had the Apache. And then down south, uh, the Kohilatikin. Uh, yeah. Uh, that one's kind of hard to... Uh, yeah. yeah. Kohilatikin. Down yeah. on the coast, you had the Karankawa. Yeah, the Karankawa is the other. Yeah. And that's in like the uh, the upper coastal valley. The Kohilatikin uh, were more down in the very south central... Rugged, rugged land. Right, I'm sure yeah. they had. A, they I'm sure they had to have, be more nomadic. And, they didn't have much contact with the with the uh, white settlers because they were so far south. Yeah. That uh, yeah. And then up north, you had the Comanche. 
Yep. Uh, in the in you know what is now the Panhandle and and into Oklahoma, right? And uh, so it's just uh, I guess let me let me let me pick one of them, man. Let me uh, let me look at the Karankawa, man. The the Karankawa kind of seem a little bit interesting to me. Uh, they lived in what is now like you know Corpus Christi up right. to almost into Houston, Galveston. And uh, they, I guess they fished a lot of times, and half the time they also were half nomadic and would go inland and hunt and things like that as well. And then they were pretty a fairly peaceful tribe, but could be savage if need be, right? Yep. And uh, I don't know why, man. They just kind of speak to me, you know that. Oh man, you know, I can't, you know yeah, no, they were they were a pretty primitive uh, tribe, you know. Uh, they survived mostly on fishing. And, uh, I can only imagine, you know, it just, it's really, it really is crazy to think about. You know, I go down and go camping on the beach all the time, down around Corpus, you know, Padre Island, Port Aransas, stuff like that. And just to think, like, you know, I mean, we can't even imagine probably what it would have even looked like down there, you know. We we have all of our man-made canals and bays, and maybe not bays, but like, I know like the canals and stuff that run between the barrier islands and the mainland, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, none yeah. of that would have been there. That's the Laguna you know? Madre, what they yeah. call the Laguna Madre, that runs down. It's a strip of water between the barrier island and the mainland. Right. I mean, that was a... That's exactly... I mean, I imagine they lived to actually... I would imagine during the summertime is when they went inland for shade and things like that. I would yeah. imagine that the fishing is better in the fall to in the transition times fall and spring right and then the other times it's probably better to go hunt you know yeah. uh, most likely and that's why they were half nomadic you know yeah uh, interesting though man an interesting part of texan history and you know i'm proud of my history not because you know i i have no idea where all of my family came from i could have yeah. roots of my family from Although I have no idea, really, to right. be honest, in all walks of life, but I'm proud of where I live, and I'm proud of the state for its rich history and diversity in history. You know, I feel like there's some bad misconceptions about Texas, that it's like this, you know, yeah. hillbilly type of a place, and like, that's what we're proud of, the hillbilly tradition, and I don't feel like that's it at all. You know, I, yeah. I love our culture down here, man. I love the Indian tradition. I love the Spanish, like Joe was saying, the Mexican, the Spanish tradition down here. Yep. Um, I, and I love the, I also love the frontier. You know, I love the, the cowboy tradition as well. Very much so. You know, I think it's a very fascinating way that the cowboys lived. And that's a whole other angle we could take one day is to talk right. about the cowboys in the plains and how yeah. if you lived on the plains, it didn't matter who you were. You put a hand in you were a cowboy, yeah. you know, that's how yeah. they looked at life, you know, and it's a, uh, it's interesting, man, you know, it's, yeah. uh, I just love it, I love history, I, especially in today's age, I'm realizing how important it is to understand history. Right. But no, anything you want to add to any of that? Or? Uh, no, I mean, it's absolutely necessary to understand history, you know, and, and it's also necessary when you go and study history and try and understand these people and their ways of life and what they did. I think way too many people nowadays, they do so through these, I call them 21st century goggles, you know, where they, they want to take 
They want to take stuff from 100, 200, 300 years ago and try and cram it into their modern worldview. Like, yeah. it doesn't work like that. I mean, when I you mean look, if you do that... If you look back on the Karankawa's Facebook page, they, <laughs> you'll see everything they did wrong, dude. You know? Right. No, I mean... <laughs> if you try, I mean, if you were to try and judge, take dang near anyone from two hundred years ago and judge them to modern standards, they're all gonna be savage. terrible, racist, <laughs> yeah. savage people. Like that was their livelihood. Like, that was like it was life or death for them. Yeah, you know, it's life or death for them. Yeah, that's it. You know, and uh, but it also gives you more respect for them and the right. times they lived and what they went through yeah. to get us to where we are today to have the comforts that we actually do have today. Yeah, to where it had not been like that forever, man. And no, you know, uh, it's funny. You know, you were saying that you you don't know like you know about your exactly about all your ancestry and stuff like that. You know, I I know quite a bit about my own ancestry and stuff, but uh. With, when it comes to the Native Americans, I do have some family history with them, actually. My fifth great-grandfather, Adam Stroud, he was born in like 1740 or something like that. Uh, and I'm not real sure where he was born, but he wasn't born in America. He was naturalized as a citizen in America in like the 1760s. But uh, him and his brother Peter Stroud were the first white settlers in uh, what is now Webster County, West Virginia. And his brother's family was murdered by Shawnee. Uh, and my great Adam Stroud went over, found the his brother's cabin, buried all the people, and ended up going and rallying a bunch of people and attacking the wrong Indian tribe in retaliation. I laugh. It's not very funny. But yeah, I mean, but it's like, damn, it's like, dude. Yeah. Damn, dude, you know, and like, I mean, you know, I've 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 shared the story like on Facebook and stuff, you know, and people are like, "Are you proud of that?" You know, it's like, I'm not necessarily, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, you know, yeah, it happened, you know, yeah. but it happened, you know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be ashamed of it. It's not like I'm gonna like not tell my kids about it and stuff yeah. like that, you know. Be so like, what ended up happening? I mean, with him, uh, actually, uh, after it was called the the Bulltown Massacre. Uh, him and a few of uh, other prominent citizens from around that area got together and they, they thought it was the Delaware Indians that had attacked Adam's uh, brother's family. But it had actually been a Shawnee war party, uh, war party, war party from the uh, Ohio Valley. Uh, but anyway, some historians say that they were the first German family, they, they were a German family, uh, German Palatines, uh, that they were the first German family attacked by Indians and what led up to Lord Dunmore's War, which was the first, I mean, I'm sorry, the last uh, colonial conflict in America before the American Revolution. Uh, it was in like 1774, I think, was Lord Dunmore's War. You know, so I mean, it was right before the American Revolution. But anyway... Adam Stroud ended up moving back to uh, Hampshire County, West Virginia, where he met his wife, Eve. So my family history starts with a couple named Adam and Eve, which is kind of neat, you know. Uh, Traditional. There, yeah, right, right yeah. yeah. Uh, that's cool, though. That's, that's just... but, uh, and he ended up serving in the American Revolution in the Hampshire County Militia. <laughs> he uh, 
And he later he went on to uh, settle out in Illinois, in the Illinois territory when it was still French. You know, it would have been before it was even an American territory. Yeah, it's just so fascinating, man, where we've yeah. all come. You know, uh, I, I mean, it's just, man, it's crazy. You know, it's just real crazy. America, people have called it this before. It's kind of the last point I'll make on this segment. Yeah. But America is like the great experiment of the world. It's never been tried. Anything like this is really historical. This past 250 years, we're living in a right. giant historical experience uh, experiment. And uh, that's why it's so hard to pinpoint you know, all these different elements and... Uh, I think a lot of people that that do have gripe about like things that have gone wrong in this country, uh, like you know uh, today's movement with BLM is a perfect example, uh, and I don't think that organization is not what I'm talking about. But the actual people who like can't like you were saying earlier, like they can't look up their family. Like someone would say, you have white privilege to even be able to look up your yeah family your family history. And though I don't look at it, like, I'm not woke, I'm not ever going to be like that. Like, oh, because you're white and you can look, look up your family history, you're a worse person. Like, that's a real shitty way to look at people. Right. But uh, but it is it is fascinating to know, like, this guy that we were talking about earlier at the Alamo, Joe. Right. Like, maybe his family can't even trace themselves back to him. Right. You know? Uh, it, yep. You've got to have respect for all the history in this country that's built this country. It's come from everybody. It's come yeah. from every every country all around the world to build this melting pot. It's this true. experience, and, and it's a fine line that we all walk. Yep. You know, you can't just. It's really not cool, no matter what race you are, to walk around and just throw the term racist around at everybody loosely. Right. That is the destruction of this melting pot because people yep. are just gonna grow tired of that from all walks of life. Yep. You know, they're just gonna get tired of it. It may it may end up pulling people together. Wise people will pull you together and realize whoever's doing that is just trying to separate you. You right. know, They're, and I guarantee you, it wouldn't have the steam it has if it, if it weren't for things like Facebook and social media, like we've talked about before. You know, and when it comes to the melting pot, you know, everybody's got to be able to celebrate their culture, their heritage. You know, everybody should be free to do that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's kind of, While you know, respecting other people's. Right, you know? exactly. You you know, know, even, if you like, don't, even if you don't agree with something that happened, you respect yeah. the fact that it happened and it was a, whether it was a scar or a good thing, whatever it right. was, that it was something that, that drew us to where we are now and helped us learn a lesson if you know it well, yeah. you know? and. No, yeah, you know, but I mean, but it, I mean, the, the, the uh, that cultural system, you know, it really doesn't work when... When certain people aren't allowed to uh, to celebrate their own history and their own heritage, you know, without being attacked and ridiculed, you know, I mean, uh, like, you know, it seems like in a, in today's America, like everybody can celebrate their heritage except for a southern white male, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, no, you know, no, you can't you can't celebrate your heritage, you know, no, 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 you're the only one who can't you cannot celebrate your fam, you know, your heritage. Uh, now, that being said, I do believe that there are a lot of people in the Southern Heritage Department who cling a little too fondly to the Confederacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say that, that that does not happen, because it does. There are, you know, the Confederacy was around for four years, 
You know, your your great great it was it was four years of your great great granddaddy's life, and it's not your entire heritage. But the South really does. It, you know, the South had its own culture that was steeped with four hundred years of culture and history in this in in America in America's Southland, and it had slavery. Just so happens it had slavery up until yeah. about one hundred and fifty years ago, and then that you became know? the huge pretext and, for the war, right? You know. You know? Uh, and, and so that's what we remember. And, and you know, in a lot of ways, um, you know, again, it goes back to that thing. Uh, you know, this is, a, you know, we might as well just keep rolling on this. We'll just have uh, an extra long second segment yeah, tonight. And we'll just keep rolling. And uh, because, you know, it's every, like, what's going on now today in the streets, right? And I'm going to tie this to what we were talking about. Like, I look at the Confederacy, like, should it be celebrated not necessarily, not in the way that like, hey, we need to do that again because right. because a lot of people paid a mighty price for that. But it should be celebrated in a sense that, look, this happened to give us a chance to learn these lessons. Right. That we were making mistakes, you know, that we all make mistakes and we, we have to address things in life or it could get to a very bad point. You know, uh, it gives you it gives you this. Now, in today's world where you have all of these protests and quite frankly, riots going on. Right. I really like to separate the two. And th- those, dude, the damn, you know, you it, it just it, there's muddy waters, man. They muddy up the waters so bad that it's hard to see. But for the people who are really taking to the streets, no matter what they're screaming, just frustrated people. Like I, I'm not so quick to just get pissed off at them and say, "What right. are you doing?" You know, like like. For instance, Ron DeSantis and some states have come out with anti-rioting bills. Right. I, and I said this a couple episodes ago. I like Ron DeSantis. I like these guys. I think he's doing a good job. I'm not trying to criticize him by any stretch. I'm just saying, you start to push too hard, that pendulum's going to start to push back. Mm-hmm. And conservative thinkers will push controls on people harder than anything, you know, yeah. and, and I watch that on this. That's something that in the future I really watch, the pendulum swinging back on that. But uh, but anyways, you uh, I don't want to be too hard on people because this country, historically, change really has always happened when there has been revolt. Right. Like, it, yeah. it's unquestionable. Revolt for the Constitution, the Bill of Rights... I mean, it was much more bloody and much less, like, of ideas back then, you know? Um, Then you had the revolt uh, with the Civil War, obviously, in the South, you know? And then you have the the Civil Rights era, right? And then you have now today, uh, the revolts of today going on, you know, in major cities, especially in... But trying to pinpoint in real time what these revolts are all about is what's hard. They, the media pinpoints it as race. And and a lot of people pinpoint it as race. And to them, it may feel like it. Right. If you live in an all-black neighborhood, your neighborhood has some shitty cops that don't speak well for the rest of the nation, but right. you haven't had a good experience, I can see where you would feel that way. Yep. But I feel like it's not race. Again, I, I really do feel like that it's more a, a fact that you have so few with so much... And so many with so little. Right. You know, that, that you have this... Uh, I like to think that that's what this rage is really all about. If people had good jobs, 
and they had a good way of life and they had a ability to pay their bills and to save up to be able to take a couple of vacations a year, spend time with their family, they wouldn't be revolting. They right. wouldn't be confused. Like People are frustrated because the system has failed them. There has to be some level of understanding that, right? I mean, yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, I think that that's why there's such a, I, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the woke community, you know, that there's, it almost seems like one of their main goals is not, not about race. It's about like, uh, what's it called? The nuclear family, uh, family, you know, the idea of the nuclear family, you know, uh, the idea that one one parent can go to work the mom can stay home and take care of the children and everybody and they can all live comfortably and go on vacation twice a year and it's all something that was fed to us as children that this is america and this is what life's all about here but then we all grow up and that's just that it's really just not the way it works anymore and uh i mean let's we're going to do it. We're going to tie back around on an episode where we always tie back around to and like systems like our economic, I mean, uh, our uh, monetary system, the Federal Reserve, the the never-ending inflation and devaluation of well, no, the, that, of but, the but that does have something I mean, to do with it. It's very no, important. It, yeah, it's it, very absolutely. important because it touches us all. Yeah. And again, when people lose hope, they they lose they lose everything. They lose con- they they start to question everything. And so that's why I don't I I do think that there are like I remember on the on the even on the BLM site you know some people had gotten up there whoever did it had put up there like the nuclear family stuff and but I think in large part like when you look at BLM from the grassroots they don't see it like that right you know that's that th- th- this is what we said this is this is what this this is going to be the title of this episode yeah uh, it it's it's not the race it's the ideology. There you these there are people within this movement, the BLM movement, and I think we actually talked about this. That have, in my opinion, uh, again, this is all opinion-based show. Unless maybe we read out some facts, but we try to source it if we do to the best of our ability. But right. damn it, it's hard. It's fast. Yeah, you know, whatever. You know, damn it, do do your best. But uh, yeah. we also always probably, at least for me personally, I always will stand corrected. And always reserve the right to change my mind about things because you're always there's always new information coming out about things. But right, uh, they have used BLM. Uh, they're using race and BLM as a way to drive a different objective through an ideology through. Right, and the people who are going to get most hurt by this are minorities, minority communities. Yep. And the way I think this, the reason I say this, and I have, is because you have places like Minneapolis, great example, beautiful city, great city, the Twin Cities, man, rich in history. I've been there several times. I said this before. So much great culture there, so much diversity there. And with all this going on, for the most part, I would say the majority of people want to just be normal, go back to normal and try to live their lives and do their thing and to not have the police harass them and to have good relationships with the police and hopefully really have some real reform kicking in after everything that's happened there. But now that you have these people that keep telling them, hey, go out and riot. If you don't get your way, burn it all down. Burn your neighborhood down. Well, you know what's going to happen? 
investment and people who have businesses there, anybody with any sort of stability is just going to, instead of, they're going to eventually just leave. Everyone's going to leave. And those places are going to become run down. It's going to be so sad for people who live there that can't leave, that yep. can't go anywhere, that, that are there. It's a, You become a product of your environment, you know, right. and uh, all because people of, no doubt, people of power push these narratives. And they use movements like this against people. And the people that pay are not the people at the top, but the people at the bottom. And uh, it's sad. And remember that if there's ever a social movement in your community, <laughs> don't join. You know what I'm saying? Right. No. I mean, like yeah. if it's a if it's a political movement, if it, if it's become something that's become pol- too politicized, right? Be cautious of that. You know, you can stand for what you believe in and not have, you know, not have to shove it down everyone's throat. If it becomes that, someone's using your agenda to yeah. try to better their position and be careful of those people. Yep. Those people may be the same people that have always done that, yep. you know, and they, they will always do that. And that's the way they gain power. And you you just give them that, you know, it's, uh, yep. that's just, that's the way I see it, you know, yep. and, and again, I could be, I'm sure I'm off on things, you know, and I have a very, you know, I, I have only the perspective I have. I try to open it up and I try to understand things and I never... Again, when I see people marching in the streets, like I look at it and I say, "Well, okay, what are these people marching for?" I don't look yeah. at it like, "Oh, roll my eyes." Here we go. I say, right. "You know what's going yeah, on?" What are the know? grievances? But another thing about this too is like, if we're gonna look at these police cases, like police brutality in this subject too, then we've got to start looking at everything as case by case too. Right. You know, we're, I'm so tired of the generalizations, and that's another point of this episode is, you know, systemic racism. That's a broad generalization. Right. What is? Tell me what is. And how do you fix it? Because if we just keep sitting here throwing that term around, you're just diluting that term every time because you're not giving any fine examples of yeah. how that is. But I can give some fine examples of how that is. Right. Coca-Cola <laughs> and their board of directors, so they should be cautious about what they tell regular working people whether if they're telling white people, black people, or whatever, trying to tell people how to live their lives, they should be cautious. Right. Because you can easily see their board of directors, you know, and uh, Delta and the major sports organizations, the worst. Yep. The very worst. You know, how many... Zero. I, I don't know any... And the MLB, again, the, the Major League Baseball recently pulled their All-Star game out of Atlanta because of the voter... They said the voter ID law was was gonna hurt minority communities. Yeah. Okay. Minorities from even from Cuba, from Puerto Rico, from Mexico, from uh, even even Black African Americans, they make up over fifty percent of even baseball. Yeah. Almost almost fifty percent of even baseball. How many how many own how many people in ownership? I don't know. Not probably not, probably not many. Probably zero. Yeah. Probably close to zero. Very close. Right. You know, a lot closer to zero than to 100 for sure. You can bank on that. Yeah. And they're telling people how to run their... They're telling the government of Georgia how to set their laws that people vote those people in, at least are supposed to vote those people in. You know, this is people should be very concerned about that and should call those companies out. Because just like I don't want big government running my, my life... 
I damn sure don't want some untouchable corporation being able yeah. to run my life either. Right. For sure. Telling people how or driving narratives that we don't need to hear. You know, when when they're the ones that are the abusers of the same thing. <laughs> yep. That they're saying. It's hypocritical, it's distasteful, and uh to, I, I, I truly feel like to the majority of people in this country, they want to do good by their fellow Americans of all credence. And I'll leave it at this. This is my last thing I'll say. You can have it after this. Right. Is I'm going to leave it right here. Is To most people, truly, I believe, it's not about race to them. They, they want to do better by their fellow people. Yep. What's being pushed down our throat today has way more to do with ideology. It's just all ideology of how you look at life, like you said, you know, the nuclear family, you know, um, you know, ex- the role of government, you know, what what do they give you? The role of government primarily, you know, here's another bailout coming down the pipeline. How many bailouts are you going to give people before they just stop working at all? We just, no one's going to work anymore? Right. I mean, be cautious. Be cautious of who you trust. Yeah. You know, uh, you, know you really want to be on a true... Uh, grassroots movement I, I i i love that stuff that's made this country but be careful of where those movements really come from you know yeah. no yeah and you know and i'll just leave it on uh on the point that throughout history there's been one major way that ev- that people have gained power and held power and that is through dividing dividing and conquering you know, dividing dividing conquer doesn't just apply to some outside force that's wanting to invade another country. It also applies to a an established power who wants to maintain power, and they see it being threatened. The first thing they're going to do is they're going to attempt to drive a wedge between the populace of the country, so that they don't unite. You know, they're too busy fighting each other. We're all going to be too busy fighting each other to watch. The rich get richer. Yeah, exactly. The rich get richer to to see the machine get bigger, you know. Uh, And it's just, it's happened time and time again. It's just that this time it's happening with Wi-Fi, so we get to sit here and talk about it. (laughs) You know, but... uh, Yes. But it's happening on a much larger and wider spread now scale. Now through memes. Then, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It's like the fall of the Roman Empire, but with memes, man. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. awesome. You know, they, back in those days, they just carved their memes out on the wall, you know. It's just like, we're, we're still looking at some of their memes, dude. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that's right. But, uh, I'm taking them way too seriously. <laughs> yeah, right. For real. We're all sitting here trying to figure out what's the philosophical meaning to this <laughs> the yeah. guy who did it was just making some smart ass meme <laughs> yeah he's trying to make some meme about like you know like Chuck's balls are too big or something you know <laughs> and you know we're trying to like break it down you know that's yeah. <laughs> great man oh man that's freaking no great. but yeah you know we just we cannot fall for that as a nation you know the same really. thing that we curse social media and the way that information travels could also be our saving grace if we learn how to right. use it appropriately. Because very two-edged you, sword. You, it is because yeah. you can you can spread you can try to spread a message of more of understanding and and you know I, I say positivity, but I don't want to even take that out of context. Like because not everything is positive. Sometimes you have to swallow some negative shit to get to a more conducive conclusion of things. You know, and that's all right. You know, but right. uh, 
you know, it's just we 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 just have to communicate and and try to understand each other and understand where people are coming from. There's no reason to fight, man. I mean, we've just come too far for this. Uh, but before we close down today, because we this is this will be a, just over an hour, so. Uh, we have a few more minutes. If there's anything else you want to touch on at all, man, like that we haven't, because what I try, what we really wanted to cover the history of Texas. This last little bit, uh, we kind of just got ranting a little bit because it's just something a little bit more of a current event, right? Uh, going on and kind of tying everything back to, you know, everyone today that watches any type of news is getting force-fed certain things, and it's such a dangerous thing again, and so. I wanted to try to highlight that in our episode and, again, not bring a positive perspective, but bring a more uh, American perspective, <laughs> a, totality, a, a total perspective it, the best we can at uh, things that are being really pushed down our throats in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, we again, we talked about some Texas history, but if there's anything else that's going on, like that's on the radar right now for you, or that's about anything, you know, anything you want to talk about, uh, that we left out. Now, you know, I, I haven't been, uh, I haven't really followed the news much in the past couple of days. I know that the uh, that the trial ended, that they uh, found the oh yes, what's his name? yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Yep, Derek Chauvin. De- Derek, yeah, Derek Chauvin. They found him guilty of of uh, murder. Yeah, and so I guess he's going to prison. Uh, you know, we we've talked about that plenty. You know, I feel like that's yeah. been that's been talked about plenty. Yeah, there's uh, nothing really to see there. You yeah, know, I think we all know. kind of figured he was gonna. You know, I mean, again, you look case by case. If if you're gonna talk about Derek Chauvin, you know, I, just from my perspective is there's no real hero from that story at all. Right. You know, but Derek Chauvin definitely deserved to... He There was gross, gross negligence that led to the death of somebody, no doubt about it. And uh, we all saw it, right? Like, people sat there and watched it, and we all saw it, and, you know, yeah. I think that that's... That, I think we can move on there. Uh, and, and again, but the other thing of that is, again, kind of going back to this whole ideology is that it, as soon as that happens, it's like... Uh, on to the next. Yeah. You know, on to the next, on to the next. Let's drive this more. You know, it's oh, never man. satisfied. I feel, like, you know? I feel like in the past, like, week, there's been, like, five police shooting events. Yeah. Like, I don't know, but I just feel like around the, around the this trial's climax, they are yeah. just any little story. They're just digging it out and putting it in this, in this national spotlight. This is just, like... I mean, for anybody, you know, it, tensions are, are so hot right now in this country. There's just, it's so obvious, especially in certain areas. And uh, there's going to be a lot more of these types of confrontations that probably happen. And I just, I really urge people, anyone, I, for me, I don't urge anyone to do anything. Do whatever you want. Shit. People are going to do what they want. The world is what it is. But for me personally, I'm going to take it all case by case. I'm not going to sit there and lump it all into one thing. I'm going to look at each case and look at it and just say, you know, it was either someone, some cop is stupid and didn't do his damn job the way he probably should have held. held cop's a hard job. You're held to a higher standard. You should be. It's a hard job. The best need to be doing it. It's yep. it's not easy. I'm, I I understand. At the, at the same time, if yeah. you do wrong, you're a human. You can't commit crimes. It's yeah. not, you know. Uh, and we have know, to take it case by case, man. And we do, uh, you know, we re- 
police officers, they, they have to be, I understand that it's, you know, people say it's just a job, you know, like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I have a, you know, I have a few friends who are police officers or were police officers, uh, and it was during, I don't even remember which case it was, this was years and years ago, but one of them was like, have you never messed up, you know, it's your job, you know, you, you, you've never messed anything up, you're just perfect at it. I'm like, well, no, you know, of course I've messed things up, but you know what? When, when I when I mess things up, people don't die, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, there's yeah, got yeah. you know, the, the, there's not nearly as as uh, as large a scale of ramifications. And <laughs> cops I mean, do have protections, greater protections than you would as a civilian, right? You know, uh, uh, over within the law. So it's yeah. not like they just have the same. That's why they, they understand, the law understands they are held to a higher standard. Right. And that's why, and, and it is a dangerous job, and that's why they do have those. And, you know, police reform, when you really get into the reforms, like where do the reforms need to be made? Uh, that is a very good question, and I think that's kind of what we're diving into here. And I think we've said it, the nonviolent, like, You've got to sift through some of these laws. Yeah. Some of these senseless laws that are causing high level of confrontation between groups of people who feel like they have been oppressed their entire history because in a lot of their history they have. They, again, the black community, people in black communities have the right to say, in my history, my people have the history, a history of being oppressed. They're not wrong with that statement. They are correct about that. Right. So they can be more combative to people of positions of power. So now you're sending a cop in there who's in a position of authority over these people to emphasize, to try to enforce laws that they should just let it go, man. Yeah, those, you know what I'm saying? Like this, th those th people see those laws as unjust. You yes, know, and many yes. of them are unjust. Uh, many of them are now. Now some are armed robbery. You know, robbery, yeah. you know, violent crimes, you know, crimes yeah. with victims in them, real yeah, victims, victim. obviously, that should never be, a, that should not be, no no neighborhood wants that, dude, but no reasonable neighborhood wants that, but there are so many laws on the books that really need to be looked at and said, okay, is this worth enforcing, and, and I really think, again, it's got to go down to each police jurisdiction. Right. You know, it needs to go down to the lowest level and say, okay, is this something in this community that's a big deal that we really need to be enforcing that's hurting people or not? And it's going to vary. You know, it's just going to have to vary. And I just think that's maybe a way that police could really start to talk about a positive reform in police and getting the police better acquainted with their neighborhoods and in better, you know, relationship connections with their neighborhood. Right. Uh, but... Yeah, that's that is that's a big thing that happened. Actually, I completely forgot about that. That did happen since our last episode. Is uh, is that uh, Derek Chauvin yeah, was trial. was found guilty of all charges and uh, yeah, you know a lot of a lot of dangerous rhetoric going on. And and again, when you look at it, it's all by the people who have a lot of money and live in safe neighborhoods. Don't don't fall for it, man. I, I just can't emphasize that enough. Doesn't matter. Just don't fall for it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you live yep. in it. If you live in a gated community and have your whole life, and you're gonna sit here and tell me uh, how I need to go about treating other people and stuff, it's kind of gonna fall on a little bit of deaf ears. Cause it's like, if you know how to treat people so well, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, you just live in a gated community. You know, I mean, what do you know about right. you know a day, a week to week paycheck and 
living on the grind, living in a place you can barely afford, not being able to just choose your place, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and the other thing is, there was one other thing I wanted to touch on, and I, I'm kind of forgetting now. It, it, it's Earth Day today, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it was 420 on Tuesday. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah happy 420. Should it be a, Willie Nelson's called for Joe Biden to make it a national holiday. Should it happen? Hey. I think it already kind of is. You know? <laughs> yeah. We don't need Joe Biden yeah. to tell us it is. Are you kidding? I don't, I don't need the government to tell me where my, where my holidays are. Right? You know? yeah. What are we even talking about right now? Right? No, we definitely don't need that. It is definitely a national holiday. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, the other thing is being Earth Day, is, we'll just leave it at this, is the... Uh, we understand, I'm going to leave it on this question right here. This For sure the sign-off, I swear. We've said this three times. This is it. Like, for sure the Industrial Revolution brought us some promise and some great things that we all see today. But be honest. Like, in a lot of ways, it's like, if we don't get our shit together, are we a little bit screwed? You know, like, is it so, could yeah. it sort of be our downfall a little bit, too? I think, I, I think it really kind of, you know, I mean, we were talking about this earlier off, off microphone, you know, but, uh. I mean, really, the Enlightenment when you when you throw the Enlightenment and then and then with the Industrial Revolution on top of it, I really don't think it's a a very good mixture for uh, for mankind. You know, at least not for for Western civilization. You know, uh, there are certain parts of the world that it has absolutely brought relief to. You know. Uh, there's a smaller percentage of the world living in extreme poverty right now than there's ever been before. Uh, and that's all thanks to the Industrial Revolution. But when it comes to the civilized West that has been civilized for a very long time, I, no, I don't think that the, uh, that the Industrial Revolution will be very positive. I believe that it will ultimately be something that brings the western brings the entire west to its knees really yeah. and, and it's going to uh i mean even will durant rise high uh, fall uh, hard uh, right? i mean a hundred years ago will durant predicted that with the rise of the industrial revolution asia and the east would be the ones who would take it and eventually conquer the world with it that that the west would not be able to keep up and that's because of very different cultures the West has a very individualistic culture, whereas the East has a very much more collective culture to it. And so they can, while their system of government might not look favorable to us in the West, it's it, it does... It, it's cl- it clicks. Yeah, it clicks. In this form, I mean, for something, right. with something of that large of industry, it clicks. Yes, it can exactly. Make it There's a reason everything is made but in that China, itself will have you know, its downfall as it well. Will. I mean, it will. It will. It has its yeah, Everything own comes full circle. Yes. You know, everything comes full circle. And with, here in the modern world, everything moves so fast, you know? I mean, really, looking into the future, See, you we know, spin look, on look, the We spin on the earth really fast. Yeah. Like, the earth yeah, spins yeah, fast, yeah. right? True. How fast does I mean, the earth spin? Oh, damn. I, you know, I looked it up one time, and it was pretty... Dang fast! It was like a couple hundred miles an hour. I <laughs> yeah, think. like it's moving. It's moving. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know. But uh, that'll make you sleep well. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> no. just know you're going two hundred miles an hour. Right now. <laughs> yeah, without <laughs> even like before you get in the car. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's right. Important. You know. Yeah. Well, damn, dude. Well, 
Yeah, I kind of feel the same way too on that, man. I really do. I, I feel like that there were obviously great things. I, I feel like if there's a period of when we, you know, like I said a minute ago, is like rise high, fall hard. Uh, doesn't mean you fall like all the way to rock bottom, but it means like you hit a sweet spot there and you just kind of, you never elevate past that. It's always back down, and, and you do with less uh, than what you had. And I, I, I feel like you know you could one could argue that a lot of what's going on today in our country is is a real degradation of where we uh, of some in some areas of where we were before. You know, socially, I think we've come a long way. I, I think that uh, personally, you know, I mean, I, I feel like that we have come a long way. Uh, but man, politically. It's it's so weird, man. It's like the politics is ruining the culture. It's always been obviously yeah. like we talked about it, like politics is downstream from culture. Right. But it's like all of a sudden like everything's become politicized. Everything has become politicized and hyper. Why why, man? It's just so weird, man. It's, yeah. it's un- unexplainable. But uh, a shout out also, one more shout out to uh first <coughs> indoor full scale live event. This weekend, I know the Texas oh, Rangers yeah. had an outdoor baseball game, but the UFC 261 this weekend. Oh yeah, Jacksonville, yep. Florida, and their full arena, dude, full lawn arena, dude. It's gonna be uh, nice. I mean, talk about a super spreader. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> god dude, dang, they're gonna be stacking bodies in Florida pretty you soon. You grew up man. in the '90s. You thought you had a super soaker. <laughs> It's the super spreader, <laughs> this dude. Is the super spreader. Who knew that what Nerf came up with that? You know. Did they? Or are they Super Soaker? No, it's the Super Spreader. Oh, Nerf. Oh, <laughs> well, they, they should claim it. Damn, they pretty much, right? Right. I mean, damn. All right. Yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah, peace out. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, we'll be moving forward, hopefully. God willing. Are we allowed to say that anymore? God willing. I don't know. Yeah. Just think. You cannot, yeah, you I say, I say, I say, the whole Alamo thing could have been, could have been completely changed if Santa Ana just would have gone to... Sam Houston's website. (laughs) We want to say thank you so much for listening to our podcast, The Independent Thinking Texans. A lot of times, you know, we may not necessarily know what we're saying or doing, but who really does in this world? It's a busy, busy place. Thank you so much for taking the time, though. We do appreciate it. Keep thinking for yourself, always and forever. Have a great day.